Hello, I'm Cheryl, and this is Sleep Tight Relax, a calming bedtime podcast for the young and young at heart. Our sleep story is the next chapter of Peter Pan. Peter is still stuck on the rock in the lagoon, and the water is rising quickly. He is looking at a piece of paper floating in the water when he realizes it is the Neverbird. The Neverbird is trying to get its nest to the rock for Peter to use. The Neverbird flies up into the air and Peter gets into the nest. He moves the eggs out of the nest for the Neverbird to look after and then goes home to see Wendy and the boys. But before we continue with our story, let's take a moment to relax. We can practice our deep breathing anytime or anywhere. But before bed, let's first turn down the lights, get comfortable, and make sure that everything feels as it should. Now close your eyes if you'd like, and we'll begin with a few slow, deep belly breaths. Each time you breathe in, breathe all the way down into your belly. When you breathe in, be sure to slowly breathe through your nose. And when you breathe out, try to push all the air out of your lungs. Breathe in. And breathe out. Notice how you feel when you take these deep breaths how you get more and more relaxed with each breath, how the weight of your body sinks into the bed. Breathe in. And breathe out. Throughout this time of relaxation and our story, Thoughts of the day, or the day to come, may enter your mind. That's okay and normal. When they come, just try to return your attention to your breathing, to the story, and the music. Breathe in. And breathe out. Perfect. Let's continue with Chapter 8 of Peter Pan. Steadily the waters rose till they were nibbling at Peter's feet. And to pass the time until they made their final gulp, 
he watched the only thing moving on the lagoon. He thought it was a piece of floating paper, perhaps part of the kite, and wondered how long it would take to drift ashore. Presently, he noticed as an odd thing that it was undoubtedly out upon the lagoon with some definite purpose, for it was fighting the tide and sometimes winning. And when it won, Peter, always sympathetic to the weaker side, could not help clapping. It was such a brave piece of paper. But it was not really a piece of paper. It was the Neverbird, making desperate efforts to reach Peter on her nest. By working her wings in a way she had learned since the nest fell into the water, she was able, to some extent, to guide her strange craft. But by the time Peter recognized her, she was very exhausted. She had come to save him, to give him her nest, though there were eggs in it. She called out to him what she had come for, and he called out to her what was she doing there. But of course, neither of them understood the other's language. Well, not only could they not understand each other, but they forgot their manners. I want you to get into the nest, the bird called, speaking as slowly and distinctly as possible. And then you can drift ashore. But I am too tired to bring it any nearer, so you must try to swim to it. What are you quacking about? Peter answered. Why don't you let the nest drift as usual? I want you, the bird said and repeated it all over. Then Peter tried, slow and distinct. What are you quacking about? And so on. The Neverbird became irritated. They have very short tempers. Nevertheless, the bird was determined to save Peter if she could. And by one last mighty effort, she propelled the nest against the rock. Then she flew, deserting her eggs so as to make her meaning clear. Then at last, Peter understood and clutched the nest and waved his thanks to the bird as she fluttered overhead. It was not to receive his thanks, however, that she hung there in the sky. It was not even to watch him get into the nest. It was to see what he was going to do with her eggs. 
there were two large white eggs, and Peter lifted them up and reflected. The bird covered her face with her wings so as not to see the last of her eggs, but she could not help peeping between the feathers. I forgot whether I had told you that there was a plank on the rock, driven into it by some pirates of long ago to mark the site of buried treasure. The plank was still there, and on it, Starkey had hung his hat, a deep, watertight hat with a broad brim. Peter put the eggs into this hat and set it on the lagoon. It floated beautifully. The Neverbird saw at once what he was up to and screamed her admiration of him. And alas, Peter crowed his agreement with her. Then he got into the nest, put the plank in it as a mast, and hung up his shirt for a sail. At the same moment, the bird fluttered down upon the hat and once more sat snugly on her eggs. She drifted in one direction, and Peter was taken off in another, both cheering. Great were the rejoicings when Peter reached the home under the ground almost as soon as Wendy, who had been carried hither and thither by the kite. Every boy had adventures to tell, but perhaps the biggest adventure of all was that they were several hours late for bed. Wendy, happy to have them all home again safe and sound, was shocked by the lateness of the hour and cried, To bed, to bed, in a voice that had to be obeyed. So we have now reached the evening that was to be known among them as the Night of Nights, because of its adventure and their upshot. The day, as if quietly gathering its forces, had been almost uneventful. The children were down below having their evening meal, all except Peter, who had gone out to get the time. The way you got the time on the island was to find the crocodile and then stay near him till the clock struck. This meal happened to be a make-believe tea, and they sat around the board, guzzling in their greed. There was a fixed rule that they must never hit back at meals, but should bring the matter of dispute to Wendy by raising the right arm politely and saying, I complain of so-and-so. But what usually happened was that they forgot to do this or did it too much. Silence, cried Wendy 
when for the twelfth time she had told them that they were not all to speak at once. Is your mug empty slightly? Not quite empty, slightly said, after looking into an imaginary mug. He hasn't even begun to drink his milk, Nibs said. This was telling, and slightly seized his chance. I complain of Nibs, he cried promptly. John, however, had held up his hand first. Yes, John? May I sit in Peter's chair as he is not here? Sit in Father's chair, John? Wendy was shocked. Certainly not. He is not really our father, John answered. He didn't even know what a father did till I showed him. This was grumbling. We complain of John, cried the twins. Toodles held up his hand. He was so much the humblest of them. Indeed, he was the only humble one that Wendy was specially gentle with him. I don't suppose, Toodles said, that I could be father? No, Toodles. Once Toodles began, which was not very often, he had a silly way of going on. Oh, as I can't be father, he said heavily, I don't suppose, Michael, you would let me be baby. No, I won't, Michael rapped out. He was already in his basket. Oh, as I can't be baby, Toodle said, getting heavier and heavier. Do you think I could be a twin? No, indeed, replied the twins. It's awfully difficult to be a twin. Ah, uh, as I can't be anything important, said Toodles. Would any of you like to see me do a trick? No, they all replied. Then, at last, he stopped. I hadn't really any hope, he said. Then the awful telling broke out again. Slightly is coughing on the table. Curly is taking both tapper rolls and yams. Nibs is speaking with his mouth full. I complain of the twins. I complain of Curly. I complain of Nibs. Oh dear, oh dear, cried Wendy. I'm sure I sometimes think that children are more trouble than they are worth. She told them to clear the table and sat down to her work basket. A heavy load of stockings and every knee with a hole in it as usual. Wendy, complained Michael, I'm too big for a cradle. I must have somebody in the cradle, she said, and you are the littlest. A cradle is such a nice homey thing to have about a house. While she sewed, they played around her. Such a group of happy faces and dancing limbs lit up by that fire. It had become a very familiar scene in the home under the ground, but we are looking on it for the last time. Then there was a step above, and Wendy, you may be sure, was the first to recognize it. Children, I hear your father's step. He likes you to meet him at the door, 
he had brought nuts for the boys, as well as the correct time for Wendy. Peter, you just spoil them, you know, Wendy said. Ah, my lady, said Peter. It was me who told him mothers are called my lady, Michael whispered to Curly. I complain of Michael, said Curly instantly. The first twin came to Peter. Father, we want to dance. Dance away, my little man, said Peter, who was in high good humor. But we want you to dance. Peter was really the best dancer among them, but he pretended to be shocked. Me? My old bones would rattle. And mummy, too. What? cried Wendy. The mother of such an armful dance? But it is Saturday night, slightly suggested. It was not really Saturday night. At least it may have been, for they had long lost count of the days. But always, if they wanted to do anything special, they said that it was Saturday night. And then they did it. Of course it is Saturday night, Peter, Wendy said. So they were told they could dance, but they must put on their pajamas first. Ah, my lady, Peter said aside to Wendy, warming himself by the fire and looking down on her as she sat turning a heel. There is nothing more pleasant of an evening for you and me when the day's toil is over than to rest by the fire with the little ones nearby. It is sweet, Peter, isn't it? Wendy said. Peter, I think Curly has your nose. Michael takes after you. She went to him and put her hand on his shoulder. Dear Peter, she said, with such a large family, of course, I have now passed my best. But you don't want to change me, do you? No, Wendy. Certainly he did not want to change, but he looked at her uncomfortably, blinking, you know, like one not sure whether he was awake or asleep. Peter, what is it? Uh, I was just thinking, he said a little scared. It is only make-believe, isn't it, that I am their father? Oh, yes. You see, he continued, it would make me seem so old to be their real father. But they are ours, Peter, yours and mine. But not really, Wendy. Not if you don't wish it, she replied, and she distinctly heard a sigh of relief. Peter, she asked, trying to speak firmly, what are your exact feelings for me? Those of a devoted son, Wendy. I thought so, she said, and went and sat by herself at the end of the room. You are so strange, she said, puzzled. There is something you want to be to me, but you say it is not my mother. So what is it? It isn't for a lady to tell. Oh, very well, Peter said, a little nettled. Perhaps Tinkerbell will tell me. Oh, yes, Tinkerbell will tell you. She is not a very nice creature. 
Here, Tink, who was in her bedroom eavesdropping, squeaked out something very cheeky. She says she glories in being naughty, Peter said. He had a sudden idea. Perhaps Tink wants to be my mother. You silly boy, cried Tinkerbell. She had said that so often that Wendy needed no translation. I almost agree with her. Wendy snapped. Fancy, Wendy snapping. But she had been quite annoyed, and she knew little about what was going to happen before the night was out. If she had known, she would not have snapped. But none of them knew. Perhaps it was best not to know. They sang and danced in their nightgowns. Such an unusual song it was, in which they pretended to be frightened of their own shadows. So wildly cheerful was the dance, and how they banged each other on the bed and out of it. It was a pillow fight rather than a dance, and when it was finished, the pillows insisted on one more, like partners who know that they may never meet again. The stories they told before it was time for Wendy's good night story. Even Slightly tried to tell a story that night, but the beginning was so fearfully boring that even he didn't like it. He said, Yes, it is a boring beginning. Let us pretend that it is the end. And then at last, they all got into bed for Wendy's story. The story they loved best. The story Peter didn't like. Usually, when she began to tell this story, he left the room or put his hands over his ears. And possibly, if he had done either of those things this time, they might all still be on the island. But tonight, he remained on his stool. And we shall see what happened next. And that is the end of this chapter. Good night.